You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. <laughs> There's our, intro- our music introduction. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of United States of Women. I'm Elizabeth, and this is the lovely Jessica. Hello. So, we are still in Delaware, because our whole first season's in Delaware. Delaware, the first state ratified. Yay! Woo-hoo. Um... And slowly working our way closer to present day with these women. Ooh. Moving moving it slightly closer. Um, So last week we did Emily Bissell, who was born in 1861. Okay. Right. And today we're doing Mabel Lloyd Ridgely, born in 1872. Okay. So a whole 11 years. A whole 11 years difference. A whole 11 years closer. Um, but actually, the reason I'm really doing these ladies back-to-back is last week we talked about Emily Bissell being an anti-suffragette. Mm-hmm. And this week, Mabel Ridgely is best known for being a suffragette. Alrighty then. So we're going to be focusing on the ratification of the 19th Amendment. Ooh. And all of that fun stuff, which was a hundred years ago, this past August eighteenth. Wow! <laughs> which, as if you've been with us from the beginning, you will remember, was the reason we started this podcast on August nineteenth. <laughs> yeah, in terms of giving it to you. Um, so, the other things that we will be discussing are Dover Days. Dover Days. And the Women's League of Voters. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Women's Leagues. Woo-hoo. Woo! So, Mabel Lloyd Ridgely was born April 13th, 1872 in Washington, D.C. Ooh. So, she was born at the Capitol. To Charles G. Fisher and Philippa Fisher. Philippa. Philippa. She was raised as an, in an affluent family. And in nineteen in eighteen nineteen in eighteen ninety three she married Henry Ridgely, who was a judge in Delaware. Okay, so okay. she moved to Delaware. They had a daughter named Philippa Ridgely Aww. after her mom. And Mabel began her work as both a women's suffragette and overall activist, pretty much. Right out the gate. Okay. I think it, it helps that she is married to a judge, too, because she can get sort of those legal... I mean, it is it is hugely advantageous. Yeah. So, during World War One, she uh, led the... She chaired the Women's Liberty Loan Committee for Delaware. Okay. Okay. So, this was a committee that helped fundraise for the troops and for the needs during World War One. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, she, she began her activism, you know, turn of the, turn of the 20th century with the Great War and helping the Allies. Yeah. 
because we weren't really we weren't central to World War One, right? We were just sort of supporting our allies, if I remember correctly, right? I'd, Correct. In a way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we sent troops in, but late in the game. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like most of my honestly, and this is probably really bad as somebody that loves history. Um, I focus on World War Two so much that I forget. Like most of my knowledge of World War One comes from Ernest Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms, like which is probably not the best. I mean, it's not the best, but it's also not the worst. Yes. Like it's just. I mean, he does on. I mean, he does honestly portray World War One ambulance drivers. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of gets distracted by French nurses and just yes Hemingway's a very interesting he's just Hemingway just Hemingway <laughs> just yeah no so so World War One um, quick history lesson a lot of the the catalyst for World War One is the various alliances between different countries and basically this domino period pyramid house of cards Mm -hmm. where all it took was for two individual countries to go to war to basically spiral out of control because so you know such country is allies with such country which is rivals with x country which is you know allies with y country and Mm -hmm. so you have this back and forth and with you know the assassination of archduke archduke ferdinand you have just this house of cards comes tumbling down. And so America gets called in to assist in World War One by its allies. And we're kind of slow to the get-up process. Uh, not as slow as we were to the get-up process of World War II. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But decently slow. So she begins by chairing the Delaware uh, Women's Liberty Loan Committee, that's a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. During World War One, and then World War One ends, and she jumps on the suffragette bandwagon, hardcore. So in 1919, she becomes president of the Ratification Committee for Delaware for the 19th Amendment, and she spends a, over a year, uh, along with other leaders of the group interviewing 52 Delaware legislators and other influential men mm-hmm. regarding their stance on women's suffrage and basically trying to convince them all to vote for the 19th Amendment okay. when it comes down the pipe. Mm-hmm. In addition, she made statements to the State Democratic Committee in January of 22nd of 1920, basically convincing the Democratic Party to support women's suffrage. So you, she put it on, like, a party platform. Platform. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So she, she gets them to put it on the, on the party platform. And it's a success. So the 19th Amendment, I wanna, I'm going to go ahead and, and turn to that because this is, this is the big thing for her. Mm-hmm. So in 1919, the U.S. Congress passes the 19th Amendment. And as we know, in order to... Make an amend to have to amend the con- U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. You have to have a two-thirds vote in both the House and the Senate. Yes, and then you have to get a three-quarters three-quarters of the states to ratify it. Yes, so that's thirty-six states. Yep. Okay. So they spent so the women's suffrage, nineteen nineteen. They get it through Congress. Mm-hmm. Then has to get sent on the road. 
Okay. Ten months after it passes Congress, there are 35 states that have ratified the amendment. And so only one more state is needed. Mm -hmm. A special session of the Delaware General Assembly is called in on March 1920. And basically, the entire country just... Focuses in on Delaware. Delaware. Like, they become inundated with suffrage and anti-suffrage forces in Dover, which is where the Delaware General Assembly is. Okay. Okay. And they march through towns with distinctive flowers, depending upon... So, yellow is suffragettes, red flowers are anti-suffragettes, so you just see these waves of people marching with flowers pinned to their lapels, depending on which one they are, which side they are in support of. It's just so, I don't know why I feel like there's somebody yeah. like out on a roof, like with a spyglass being like, how many yellow ones do you <laughs> spot in there? Let's see where the public lies. So the leaders of the suffragette forces uh, for this are Florence Hillis mm-hmm. of the National Women's Party and Mabel Lloyd Ridgely, the, Del- the president of the Delaware Equal Suffrage Association. So this is how she's, she's, so she's still president. Okay. Um, so they march on Dover. There's huge um, conversations and speeches and back and forth. And during that general assembly, by a very narrow margin, Delaware passes on May 5th. The Senate ratified the amendment. And on June 2nd, the Delaware House adjourns without passing it. How dare they? <laughs> Come on, Delaware. You have your cute little women of Delaware site. Like, how could yep. this be your beginning? <laughs> so Delaware lost its chance to make history. Because they lost in Delaware, everybody marched on to Tennessee, which just two months later became the 36th state to ratify the amendment by a single vote. Go Tennessee. (laughs) Okay. So immediately upon the ratification of the 19th amendment, Mm -hmm. a new organization appears. Uh-oh. It is the Women's League of Voters. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I was like worried it's one of those opposing... <laughs> like... No, no. So the Women's League of Voters is uh, still a nonprofit organization that goes on today. They are a civic organization that mm-hmm. focuses almost entirely just on getting people registered to vote and out to vote. That is their sole focus. That's it. Just, yep. If you have the power to vote, vote. vote. You turn 18, <laughs> register to vote. Correct. Yeah. They... We'll sometimes step in on issues, mm-hmm. primarily issues in terms of voting rights, voting access, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. I'm sure they're having a fun time with the right and ballot thing right now. <laughs> exactly. Currently, but- as we're recording this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and they have had numerous uh, leaders within their ranks. So Delaware decides to open its own chapter of the League of Women League of Women Voters. Is Delaware like sitting there like maybe we'll make up for what we did? Yeah, maybe <laughs> just maybe. So on October 1, mm-hmm. 1920, 
in the Dover newspaper, Mm -hmm. there is a picture of Mabel Lloyd Ridgely Mm -hmm. as the first president of the Delaware chapter of the Women's League of Voters. Yay! (laughs) Go, Mabel. So, that is Mabel's focus for much of the early 1900s, Mm -hmm. is the women's right to vote. But she doesn't stop there. Okay. I am going to pause you slightly, uh-huh. because be- before we start recording these, I at least ask that you give me, like, at least kind of a subject. And yeah. you just, just for this one, you just said 19th Amendment. I was like, okay, which honestly, at first I was like, was that prohibition or was that women's rights? <laughs> like, I'm always like, I know they're right next to each other. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just Wikipedia 19th Amendment just to, like, make sure I wasn't totally oblivious to anything going on. And, um... I got really, really distracted by the fact that when we were colonies, some colonies, women were allowed to vote. Yes. And so when we became the country of the United States, we lost our rights to vote. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I was mad. I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, in fact, uh, Montana had that very issue Mm -hmm. because they, while they were a territory, Women had the right to vote in Montana, and Congress made it a condition for their entrance into the Union that they not allow women to vote. Well, now I'm just very disappointed. (laughs) Not surprised, but I'm Well, in fact, Montana waited to join the Union until that was no longer an issue. (gasps) Yay! Because they were smart enough not to (laughs) decide that, hmm, maybe we'll take away our wives' right to vote. That'll go over well, right? Yeah, that'll go great. They only, like, cook our food and take care of our house and just do all the things and just enable it very easily to make life a living hell. Like, just... So, no, yes, in fact, it is It is a fairly common thread throughout U.S. history that as territories became states, as colonies became states, women lost their right to vote and had to win it back. Good gosh. Right? Like, just... <laughs> it's so exciting. I just, well, I just more liked that I went through my whole life not knowing this, that it had been taken away from us. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to be like, oh... Because of a document that basically said equal rights to man, and somebody was like, uh, it says man, we gotta take this crap away, and be like, no, no, we meant man as in mankind, you know, like, man in the general sense of man, like... <laughs> the queen's we. <laughs> the queen's we, yes. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> Yes, yeah, no, it's definitely one of those things. Like, so exciting. History is fun. (laughs) History makes you feel so much better about life. Not really. Not really. That's okay. (laughs) So, the other really awesome thing about Mabel Bridgley, at least the awesome thing for me, is that she was very much a historian. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was her passion. I mean, as... As focused as she was on her activism for the suffrage movement, her passion was history. So, she then began her turn upon, you know, winning the women's right to vote. Mm -hmm. She moved to Delaware's heritage and history. Her adopted home state, she became laser-focused on it. Okay. She became the president of the Public Archives Commission... Ooh. Focused on preserving all Delaware um, written history. She led the preservation committee to save the old state house. So in 
Dover, Delaware during her lifetime, they moved to a new state house, mm-hmm. and she convinced them to keep and preserve the old. Almost has like a historical site. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as well as the John Dickinson Mansion. Ancestor of, uh, or not an ancestor. What's the opposite direction of ancestor? Uh, I would have had a relative relative. of Charles Dickinson. (laughs) Okay, thank you. It's like, I know the name Dickinson, but like, which Dickinson? And then in 1933, one of her largest contributions is she established the Dover Days. So everybody thinks, you know, you think of like May Days kind of things. Mm -hmm. So this is a heritage festival for Delaware. Oh, fun. Called the Dover Days. The Dover Days. And she established it in 1933, and it continues to be celebrated today. It was not celebrated this year because COVID. But (laughs) Dover Days has continued to be celebrated since since its founding in 1933. So... After a long life of public service and a happy marriage, Mm -hmm. um, Mabel's husband, Henry, died in 1940. In a commemoration of him and to Mm -hmm. honor him, Mabel decided to become a published author because, you know, that's what you do. Why not? Yeah. So she, uh, in 1949, she wrote and published What Then Befell, which was a history of her husband's family, Aww. dating all the way back to when they were um, members of the colony of Delaware. Oh, that's so his family nice. had been there that long. So she spent nine years researching, writing, <laughs> preserving old documents, and then got herself published because that's what you do when you're a widow. You mm-hmm. just decide to you know make yourself a published author. Yep. <laughs> So she would continue to live on and die January 11th, 1962, at the age of 89. All right. So I would like to note that she lived almost 90 years in a time when that wasn't really... Really easy to do. Yeah. (laughs) When that that wasn't really a thing. Um, So she is still honored um, by portions of the Delaware Archives mm-hmm. named after her and while she is known for her uh, contributions to the women's suffrage movement she is more known for her contributions as a preservationist of Delaware history okay and the Dover days so Dover days Dover days does sound like a great time Dover yes. days so um, most of my information came from the Delaware Campus Library um, in terms of the 19th Amendment in Delaware. Obviously, I found Mabel Lloyd Ridgely. She is a member of the Delaware Women's Hall of Fame. As she should be. As she should be, because, you know, she's awesome. Um, As well as a... So, a very nice um, individual who joins us in our obsessions with history, Mm -hmm. who goes by the web name of Turley 2, was the one who managed to clip the uh, news article about uh, Mabel Ridgely becoming the president of the brand new League of Women's Voters. All right. Which is now the Women's League of Voters. But, Mm -hmm. um, 
and then of course Wikipedia and I'm trying to pull up all of my citations. The Delaware archives in regards to Dover Days and the Alexander Street news article on it as well. A news article on Mabel as well. Okay. So that's Mabel Lloyd Ridgely. And I think she's, I'm, I'm glad we're doing her this week in direct comparison to Emily Bissell because, like, yes, they're born 11 years apart mm-hmm. and they died um, about 20, yeah, 1962, 1948. So yeah, 12, 12, yeah. 12, 14 years. Um, but you've got two women living in very close proximity with the exact opposite views on suffrage and Mm -hmm. still doing some really amazing things, not just within the suffrage movement, but Mm -hmm. in the greater community. Yes. One is a a fun, you know, and and I like to imagine that at some point in their later lives, like Emily Bissell and Mabel Ridgely got together and Mabel was like, look, I need some fundraising done for the archives. <laughs> like we need to, we need to say, we need to preserve the old state house and mm-hmm. you're a fundraiser. So like, can yeah. you find me the money? And Emily's like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, at least that's the image in my head, the two of them meeting for like a cup of tea yeah, <laughs> to hash this out mm-hmm. despite, despite their differences. So <laughs> That is Mabel Lloyd Ridgely and the attempted ratification of the 19th Amendment in Delaware. <laughs> I, yeah, I was reading that and I was like, the article in the, in the Delaware library, like, about the 19th Amendment, like, it builds up, it builds up. It's like they're, you know, descending and there's, you know, the anti-suffrage movement. They did it, do and it. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then, so this is the way they set it up. The president of the free Irish state to Delaware to convince Irish American representatives and at one point resorted to kidnapping the chairman of the House Committee so that he couldn't present the amendment for a vote on the suffragists were sure to lose. Oh my goodness. Mm. <laughs> like there was kidnapping involved? Apparently. Why wasn't this part of history class? You know, and then it just goes on. On May 5th, the Delaware Senate ratified the amendment. Only the House remained to be convinced. After months of lobbying and rallying on both sides, the Delaware House on June 2nd voted to adjourn without passing the amendment. It's like, what? <laughs> like, all we're this... not gonna make the... No. We're like, just... Yeah. We're I, done. I, I, <laughs> we're I done. feel all this build-up, all this build-up to, like, uh, ah, never mind. Great. Like, and not like, no, we reject it. Just like, we oh, just don't want to vote. <laughs> So and then it was let written. some other stake in all this press, <laughs> right? I'm like, really? Like you know it's coming. Like I'm sorry if 35 states have already ratified it. Like yeah, it's bold and it's brave to be the first one to ratify it. I get that. Mm-hmm. Like and and that I get. There's a lot of risk, but like to be the 36th state, like you want that publicity because mm-hmm. it's gonna happen anyway. Yeah, like it's gonna happen. Just sorry, it's gonna happen. Just take it. So, I mean, although we were saying that in our discussions earlier about the um, Equal Rights Amendment, so, so. <laughs> maybe not. <sighs> maybe they were right to be like, eh, we're just not gonna have this be on our shoulders. We just won't deal with this. <laughs> we just won't deal with this. But, 
Yeah. So that that's... what you have to say, Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvis is the only male allowed in the room during our our conversations on this. He's he's our puppy dog, my puppy dog, <laughs> and he's good at napping while we record. <laughs> we should get him to speak on the podcast. Yeah, he's very vocal. We should. He like, wants to nap, though. He, to, he always <laughs> wants to nap. He wants to nap and eat, and mm-hmm. that's it. I have not disclosed to him yet that hobbits get second breakfast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about second breakfast? <laughs> he doesn't know about second breakfast. Elevensies. <laughs> Because he would eat like a hobbit if given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right. So, any other final thoughts on the 19th Amendment or Mabel Ridgely? Oh, I'm still just mad that <laughs> us becoming a country took away my rights. You're, you're just mad that history was worse than you thought it was. Oh, darn it. This is why I didn't take a lot of history classes in college, isn't it? I tr- I, if anything, I took European-based histories. Like... Celtic history. I mean, not much better. No, I oh, I did take. Well, I took Celtic. I took Native American history. Like, I just stayed away from colonialism. (laughs) I mean, most of those histories aren't much better. No, they're not. But it's definitely they're fascinating. Do not get me wrong. Oh yes, very fascinating. No, they were. I quite enjoyed those classes. (laughs) Mythology. (laughs) Mythology was my favorite. Can I get fake history? Please. Just give me the myths. (laughs) Don't give me the truth. I want fake history. Just give me (laughs) fake history. So, all right. Well, that is that for Mabel Lloyd Ridgely. If anybody would like to tweet at you, Jessica, and commiserate about how history just continues to get worse the more and more you learn about it, (laughs) where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. All right, and you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media. Our Facebook page is forward slash Geek Elite Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, the United States of Women, because mm-hmm. we're hoping to reach as many people as possible. I think we don't get to hear about the small movements that make big changes mm-hmm. often enough. Yeah. So that's our goal with this. And if you have anybody that you think we should uh, make sure we cover when we get to your home state, mm-hmm. shout it out to us. Make sure to tweet it at us. I will always accept recommendations. And at least if I don't choose that person, I will certainly give you a good reason why. Yeah. So with that being said, Until next time, this is the United States of Women saying always remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast.